0: Before the cocktail, with all its sophisticated nuance, there was the bold and alacritous punch bowl, shared with the table round by pirates and politicians alike. Not that the two are always mutually exclusive. We like to think this quick attention-scrolling loop we're stuck in is a recent phenomenon, but that's not the case. As the petty pace of life picked up, early American tipplers had nary the time to sit and share a full bowl of punch. To facilitate the hustle and bustle of colonial life, bartenders began mixing up Punch by the Glass. The good old Punch by the Glass finally availed folks to stopping in for the proverbial quick one. Now my favorite part of the holiday season is the gatherings. Anything from meeting a group of friends at some garishly decorated pop-up bar or an intimate visit around an elegant Christmas tree. I just love spending time with as many loved ones as possible and taking in as many seasonal revels as I can stuff into my stocking. Since the holidays are rapidly gaining on us, I think it's the perfect time of year for a drink that has its origin in the ideal of communal bibulousness. Punch just seems to set the tone for togetherness. Nothing elevates the spirit like elevating some spirits. Now, we've covered Planter's Punch in a previous episode, the granddaddy of all punches, complete with its own timey rhyme, one of sour, two of sweet, three of strong, four of weak. But there's so many variations on punch recipes varying widely depending on region and or season that this is a well we're going to find ourselves coming back to frequently. However, this isn't some filler episode thrown together quickly between the holiday travels just to avoid a lapse in content. I have admittingly done those before, and it doesn't feel great. So I thought, what could we do for a November drink? It's a weird time after Halloween, but not quite Christmas. So I picked up my copy of Remixed and fanned the pages, landing right to Cesar's Rum Punch. Perfect. Ladies and gentlemen... My name is Tony, and this is Pa Tiki. In this case, the party starts at the Hotel Olufsen. Haiti has such rich history, particularly surrounding its rum culture, which lends so nicely to our overall Tropiki narrative. Now, we've covered much of this history before in our port prince episode, and there's many more stories that could take up a podcast series on their own. So today, we're going to be focusing on the narrative at hand and trying to keep repetition at a minimum. So, sometime in the late 19th century, the prominent family of then-Haitian president Tiresias Simon-Sam, Sa- let me try that again, Tiresias Simon-Sam, I think that's it, hey, uh, he, they constructed a lavish gothic mansion up on a hill overlooking port-au-prince in 1915 one of the plethora of political upheavals ousted the sam family leaving Samfam leaving the mansion vacant till the u.s marine corps moved into the palatial estate attempting to establish a proxy government the likes of what we had in cuba before castro ah the good old days when the mafia and the u.s government were in cahoots and we all benefit from shared glory of exploitation but well, the Marine Corps used the mansion on the hill as a hospital and retreat for military leave till 1934 when a German by the name of Walter Olufsen bought the property and turned it into the Grand Olufsen Hotel. In Haiti, as with Cuba and Jamaica, Prohibition served as a boon to the island's economy. Port-au-Prince, and therefore the Olufsen, uh, became a destination for tourists looking for the quote-unquote real Caribbean opposed to the Las Vegas of the West Indies that was Havana. Popularity did not come without its challenges, though. Olofsson and his familial successors were like a real-life version of Don't Stop the Carnival, complete with a pool full of alligators that he just left there and told the guests to go swim in the ocean. Which, yeah, I kind of get it. I, always, I never understood why people hung out in the pool at the hotel on by the beach. The ocean's right there. Anyway, by 1954, the place was taken over by a Frenchman named Roger Coster. Now, this guy was a character. It seems like he really ran the hotel as a hangout spot to foster his own interests. He refused to pander to what he called the quote-unquote Coca-Cola crowd, his nickname for cruise ship tourists. I can't argue with him there. Coster's uh, brash demeanor chased away your garden-variety tourist, but attracted the more auteur crowd. He loved the intellectual and artistic types, and in turn, they found his brand of anti-hospitality folksy and amusing. According to cocktail historian Jeff Berry, Coster's Oliveson became a pseudo-Greenwich village of the islands, hosting art galleries, native dance festivals, and mu- musical performances. Writers, actors, and playwrights haunted the hotel frequently. Tennessee Williams, Irvin Berlin, and Graham Greene, who used a fictionalized version of the Olufsen in his 1966 novel, The Comedians. During the 1960s and 70s, the party didn't stop. Now owner Al Seitz would would name certain rooms in honor of the frequent guests, like Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis and Mick Jagger. Throughout the decades, the Grand Olufsen Hotel has endured Duvalierism, a revolution, even a devastating earthquake in 2010 which left the structure damaged but still standing. The Grand Olsen Hotel remains operational today. You can go, but between earthquakes, hurricanes, and militants, it feels like tempting fate a little too much, like a real-life final destination. One indisputable fact that persists across its over 100 years of history and in the reports of many of its return guests is that the Olsen Hotel had the best, Rump punch on the island this was due to one joseph cesar we really don't know a lot about our drinks namesake cesar what we do know is by all accounts he was the spirit of the hotel always with a great big smile working from behind a custom-built mahogany bar it said that as a shorter fellow you would only see cesar from the shoulders up nevertheless always with that warm smile Cesar created his punch in the 1930s when it would be offered as a welcome drink to hotel guests, as was the custom back then. There are some places where this tradition survives, I'm glad to say. When the missus and I stayed in El Cid, a beautiful oceanfront hotel in Cozumel, we were indeed greeted with tequila and champagne upon arrival. And Cuba still holds the record for the best arrival, though. In the airport, we were escorted through the diplomatic entrance, where we waited in a fully stocked lounge while they validated our passports and visas. Admittingly, it was a bit disconcerting to have our identification whisked away in a communist country, but it's amazing how all the free rum and Cuban beer you want can assuage your anxiety. I wish there was more to tell, One would think that there would be more insight on someone who has a famous drink named after them, but perhaps this way is better. A testament to how much Joseph César and César's rome punch impacted people that routinely referenced him and his punch specifically. In my opinion, this validates that it was indeed César's magic potion that served as the allure and catalyst to the Olufsen Hotel's legacy and solidifies César's place among tropical drink royalty. Joseph Cesar died in 1981, and the only original piece remaining in the Grand Olufsen Hotel is his original mahogany bar. So, with respect, let's make a drink. As with any respectable cocktail, and a few of the disrespectful ones, there's always a little controversy involved. You see, in 1947, Trader Vic published a recipe called Olufsen's Rum Punch. We know that Vic did travel around the Caribbean islands, um, island hopping and learning from the masters how to construct tropical drinks. We also know that when he was unable or too lazy to recreate a certain famous drink, he took some liberties. Don the Beachcomber's Zombie and Joe Shalom's Suffering Bastard are a few of the well-known drinks Vic offered that are similar in name only to their originals. This doesn't take away from the trader's validity or his aptitude, both behind the bar and in the kitchen. There are two reasons why Vic's Oldson's punch is called into question, though. First, Al Seats disputed Vic's recipe in a 1972 interview in Playboy magazine. Remember, Al Seats was the manager during the time that uh, of, of the Oldson Hotel during the time that Cesar was there. Um, so he gave an interview in 1972 to Playboy magazine. Offering up what he claimed was the true recipe, saying that Trader Vic's was not. I tend to believe Seats as he knew Cesar personally when he ran the hotel. The second reason that arches a dubious eyebrow is the fact that the two drinks, Trader Vic's and the um, Al Seitz's claim to Caesar's original recipe, taste nothing alike. And frankly, Vic's isn't very good. I said it. I said it. I'm sorry. A blend of orange and lime juices, sugar, and Haitian rum with a Myers Dark Float, Trader Vic's Olofsson's Punch feels like an attempt at making a Haitian drink just by using Haitian rum in a generic punch recipe. It's very rummy, which can be a plus, as many punches tend to hide the spirit, but it's inconsistent with other drinks from this region at the time. I mean, if Port-au-Prince was supposed to be this haven of pure unmolested tropicalia and the Olison a mecca for the artistic demimon, I find it hard to fathom that a dark blended Jamaican rum such as Myers would be used as a f- or that a float would be used at all, for that matter. Also, the use of maraschino liquor, um, liqueur harkens to Vic's time in Havana. This is all speculation on my part, but speculation done after many books read, travels done, and conversations had with prominent sources. I just don't believe Vic's Olufsen's Punch would render the accolades we have on record by so many guests. It's okay, but it's not worth writing into a novel and pervading literature the way we have it documented that César's did. Nonetheless, I provide Vic's Olufsen's Punch recipe here for you to test. It is 2.5 ounces of rum Barbancourt, 1 quarter ounce of maraschino liqueur, 1.5 ounces of orange juice, 3 quarter ounces of lime juice, 1 rounded teaspoon of white sugar, and a half ounce of Myers dark rum for a float. You want to dissolve the sugar in the lime juice first, then shake all the ingredients except the Myers with ice and pour into a tall Collins glass or Pilsner and top with more ice if needed, and then float that Myers on top. Alright, let's get to the real drink now. The Haitian rum in question here is rum barbancourt. The R H U M spelling of the word is in the French style, denoting this is a spirit made not from molasses but pressed cane juice like its uh, Martinican cousin, Clement. The Barbancourt 8-Year Reserve Special I'm using here is a velvety, clean, and smoky-rich spirit. Barbancourt makes their rum using methods brought over from cognac production, and it shows in this spirit way more than any other cane-pressed counterparts. I'm a big fan of this rum for sipping and pairing with cigars. At a lovely 43% ABV, it's wonderful, and I wouldn't change a thing about it. In fact, if you find a bottle of the white variety, I suggest using that for your tea punch. It's amazing. Barbancourt in general is like my hidden gem of the rum world. Now, I believe we covered Barbancourt in our Porto au prince episode, but we'll do a brief recap. So, hailing from Charente, France, the region famous for the town of Cognac, brothers Dupre and Labé Barbancourt began distilling rum in Haiti in 1862 using those revered Cognac methods most notably double distillation and aging in oak. Tenants the company still utilizes today. Barbincourt's leadership reads like a religious litany. By 1902, Dupre had sole ownership, and when he died, the company passed to his widow, Natalie Gardier. From there, it went to her nephew, Paul Gardier, till his death in 1946. Then his son, Jean, held the reins till 1990, and so on and so forth till the current CEO, Delphine Natalie Gardier. Back in 1946, the company acquired their own piece of land, Domaine Barbancourt, in the let me see if I get this Plain du Col de Sac region of Haiti, known for its renowned sugarcane production or sugarcane growth. Um, apparently, it's it's uh, this area of Haiti is perfectly um, the soil is perfectly great for um, for sugarcane growth. Now, Barbancourt has won many awards and accolades over its almost two-century run, only halting production shortly to rebuild after the 2010 earthquake. The rest of the ingredients are pretty standard for punches. Fresh lime juice, simple syrup, Angostura bitters, and grenadine. I implore you to make your own grenadine using equal parts pomegranate juice and cane sugar. Bring to a boil, simmer for about a minute, and then let cool. The recipe Al Seitz gave in Retort to Vicks back in the 70s, and which Beach Bomberry uh, subsequently published as Cesar's Punch, is as follows. Two ounces of lime juice, one ounce grenadine, A quarter ounce sugar syrup, three dashes Angostura bitters, and two ounces of rum barbancourt. Shake all the ingredients with ice and strain into a Collins glass filled with crushed ice. Now, I found this drink to be super sour. The only competing flavor being a sharp cloying sweetness from the grenadine. I got the impression that a perfect drink is in there, it just needed to be teased out. It calms down a little as the ice melts, but remains wildly unbalanced a cacophony of disparate flavors vying for attention, none of any being the incredible rum. I believe this is indeed the correct ingredients, but that Cesar mixed them differently. Therefore, after many attempts at moving the amounts around, I believe I have reached the best version of this drink and the one that must be closest to the lauded Cesar's punch touted by so many people in the past. Here we go. Cesar's rum punch. A half ounce of grenadine, a quarter ounce sugar syrup, one ounce of lime juice, three dashes Angostura bitters, and two ounces of rum barbancourt. Shake all the ingredients with ice and strain into a 10 ounce Collins glass filled with crushed ice. Garnish with a mint sprig and pineapple wedge. I don't usually condone useless garnish, but I like to add an orange wheel to this just as a nod to the Trader Vic recipe. This renders a very fruity, punchy beverage that still leans to the sour side, which I believe Cesar meant to be in the case. Uh, It's a lovely tropical drink, and I can see why so many notable writers and actors of the day claim to have been able to down quite a few per sitting. They go down super easy. The rum is still a bit obfuscated, but it adds a unique aged quality that's missing with a different rum. I suggest having a few sips of the Barbancourt on the side before, then taste the punch and see if you can pick it out. From 1963 to 1971, the murderous regime of Papa Doc loomed perilously over Haiti. Even through this, Joseph Cesar remained undaunted in his idea of maintaining an atmosphere of escape from the heaviness outside. A weight that hangs on the soul like a thick, humid Caribbean mist. What better to alleviate this, promote a sense of weightlessness like floating to the ceiling on laughter, than a good tropical drink? It's my opinion that we could all be a little bit more like César. Smiling in the face of adversity, resilient like, like Haiti and its people. And maybe along the way, we create a drink that lasts a hundred years. So, here's to César's Rome Punch. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Tony, and this has been Pod Tiki. Keep your tiki out there sources for this episode can be found at the blog post for this episode at com. I want to make sure that I give a shout out to um, uh, to my my oh what am I doing you know what you know a little behind, uh, we're doing a little bit of inside the mug behind the scenes on the podcast this week which is usually inside the mug so please check out inside the mug on YouTube and on my uh Look, Search Pod Tiki on YouTube, and you'll find Inside the Mug. It's my video series where we talk about going inside of the, um, you know, behind the scenes a little bit. Inside the mug, if you will, and if you won't, of all the, the drinks that we talk about on the show. Um, but I, we're going to go a little inside the mug here while we're on the show because I am stumbling a little bit towards the end because I have did not take notes down after I finished writing the podcast, and I did not proofread before I, I set ahead, because I'm running a little bit late this week with the holiday coming up. So, if you would forgive a little bit of my bumbling, I would like to thank everybody for listening. Please check out the social media. You can find pod underscore tiki on Instagram. That's where I do most of my stuff. My personal page is rum underscore poet. That's mostly personal stuff and cigar stuff and my hobbies. Um, I do most of my talking on Instagram. You can also find me on spot on, um, uh, you can find us on. Facebook is what I was trying to find. If you just search Podtiki across all the platforms, you'll find us wherever you're listening now. I'm, if you're listening at Podtiki.com or any of the sources that you you can always find all the episodes at Podtiki.com, including all the drinks under our drink recipe index. Um, we're also available on Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, what was it? Google app, Google, all the Stitcher, all that stuff. So if a, Apple Podcasts. I want to give a shout-out to Surfside Sips if you're looking for some custom strawware, hand-blown straw, glass straws, uh, durable, machine washable. You can get them in a variety of shapes and sizes, and even some custom ones that are pretty cool, and even some some ones that lean towards the tiki. Um, holidays are coming up. They make a great gift. They make great gifts. You can get them in sets. Um, I highly recommend it. When you go and you check out, though, make sure you put Podtiki in the checkout. That's P-O-D-T-I-K-I, all caps, all one word. That'll get you twenty percent off your order, and that adds up. So, to go ahead and do that. That lets you know that you heard it here on Podtiki.com or Podtiki podcasts. I think that's about it. I can remember off the top of my head without notes. Um, please check out the Summer Sessions EP, which is still up on the on the website under Summer Sessions volume 1. Uh those are the songs I made over the summer and released over the summer. I'm um, really pretty excited about that. And I think we're going to end it here. So as we as we dive into this holiday season, I know I'm supposed to keep these podcasts uh 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 more seasonally generic so they they could be listened to in the future, but I want to just make sure that as we go into this holiday season, we remember to drink responsibly, not get too crazy and enjoy uh enjoy yourselves. Um I'm re- I'm recording this podcast three days before Thanksgiving, so it's just got me in the mood to think about how grateful I am, and how thankful I am for all the listeners and everybody that interacts. Please, the Patreons. That's what I wanted to mention. Please go on the Patreon and subscribe. It's only three bucks a month. Um, Is the and you can, you know, you can uh, you can support your favorite show, your favorite podcast show, and uh, oh, that's a bit pretentious. Assuming that I'm your favorite podcast show or your famous Tiki Tiki show. Your famous pop I, I don't know. So I'm stumbling and bumbling because I'm—I again I'm lost without my notes. So I um, just want to say thank you. Just I really do appreciate everybody that listens to the show, everybody that interacts with me on social media, and uh, yeah, just keep your tiki out there. Happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you guys for Christmas next month.